Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the greatest San Francisco Giants baseball podcast of all time. And now here are your hosts, McCoveyChronicles.com site contributors Brian Murphy, Doug Bruzzoni, and Sammy Higgins. Five-game winning streak. Giants are, are doing very well. They're 19-15 and 15 as we record this, and they swept the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. Atlanta was undefeated stretching back to 2015, and all of their players are 24 years old and all had 10 home runs each heading into this weekend's game, right? That's what it <laughs> felt like when we were doing the coverage beforehand. Anyway, welcome to the McCovey Croncast. I'm Brian Murphy. I'm joined by Doug. It's a four-game winning streak. Oh, it's not a five-game winning streak? They've won four no. games, four of their Six. last five. There we go. Yeah, Maybe sorry. that's what I was saying. Giants are they are going to win tonight. That's what... That's what I was getting at. Um, Who are you right now? Yeah. Uh, that just guaranteed that the Giants are going to lose right away. Anyway, it's the McCovey Croncast. What? The confetti guy from the Sixers and Celtics game. That's right. Maybe Saturday. we need to just start over and just be like, it's the McCovey Croncast. The Giants are whatever. They're doing okay, I guess. But... <laughs> Uh, it is essentially a battle of attrici- attrition. We're about uh, six weeks into the season, and the Giants this week, uh, their plus-minus on players on player injury news was largely uh, in the negative, or actually was even because we le- we learned that uh, Joe Panic's going to be down for you know he had his surgery. He's going to be gone for an extended period of time till or at least six weeks. Uh, we also found out. The saddest news is that Johnny Cueto uh, today, Monday, is seeing Dr. James Andrews uh, because his elbow, his UCL, or it's probably torn or damaged. So it's the third opinion the Giants are seeking on it. Um, he's had forearm issues before, and usually with Cueto, they just have rested it, and uh, and, that, and that's been fine. That's not the case this time. But the other news, I'm running through the bad news real quick. The other bad news is Mac Williamson still experiencing dizziness as he tries to resume baseball activities following his concussion, uh, you know, when he ran into the side of the stadium. And and so that's all really bad. The positive news, I guess, uh, is that Madison Bumgarner is, is throwing a baseball and he's looking good. And Mark Melanson has a scheduled, has a targeted return date, which is a surprise, like, that's completely out of the blue, because last week they were like, we don't know. And then literally a few days later, they're like, May 25th. <laughs> so uh, I would well, say it's... Fair, May 25th target date is really, I think, just the day they can take him off, or the day that they can activate him, because I think they, they, six, they put him on the 60 days. So I think May 25th is the first day he would be eligible to play. It doesn't mean he's going to. So but I hope what I'm hearing is that my pessimism just transferred to Sammy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, Sammy. Sammy hates the Giants now. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. So, why not hate them? They're they're playing well. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I would say the the biggest takeaway from the week for me has been that the pitching is not stellar when you watch it, but it is effective and producing results, and that is how they're even in the conversation of of decent to good teams right now. Uh, the offense was expected to be what it's basically been over the last week. It really was. That was the plan. That was literally a quote from Bruce Bochy before the season started. Sometimes you got to win games nine to eight. <laughs> and the Giants are winning games nine to four. 
and, and ten to two, they're they're doing very well. So that was my takeaway: was that this pitching staff should not be uh, based on, just based on last year's track records shouldn't be that great, and it is better this year. We can get into the reasons why, maybe. But uh, Sammy, what was your takeaway from the week? Um, similar, like there was a lot of runs scored. I think they scored. Let's see, eighteen. 29 runs in three games that that's you're gonna win a lot of games if you can keep that up as part of their five game winning streak absolutely yes (laughs) well they won five out of six so you were close (laughs) i had the number five in there doug how about you um i think the takeaway is that they're beating the teams that we expect them to lose to you know we you, you wrote a whole, whole preview for the padre series about how or no it wasn't the preview it was your your recap of the first game where you said Oh, the Padres are young. They're they're all these young demigods, and the Giants are old and they're done. And and then the Giants beat them two, two out of three. And the Giants went to Atlanta, which is like that on which is like those Padres that you described on steroids. And the Giants crushed them the first two games, and they beat them in the third one. They're they're showing up against these young teams that should have all the energy in the world right now. And of course, the implication of what you said was it was because of what I wrote, and I completely agree. <laughs> That is absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I works. like to point out is very sad news about the NL West. By the way, I think the Dodgers losing Corey Seager for the season is extremely bad, uh, and for baseball and Clayton Kershaw going on the DL now for uh, tendonitis. Right? It's in his in his elbow essentially, elbow tendonitis. Not great. Or bicep. Uh, bicep tendonitis. Not great. And uh, what I, my Not point right. was. When Seager went down, I tweeted out that it was probably not great for Brandon Crawford. Uh, now people are going to start to be aware of his strikeout rate. And <laughs> since that tweet, <laughs> he's been extremely hot. And as Kenny, our new uh, staff writer, wrote, he's not only been hot, he's been really good with the bat. So, <laughs> so he's played very well. So I'm just... Doug, I'm just piggybacking on there to say that my writing has inspired the Giants and basically the screw you, Brian mode. And what better way to do things than out of spite? (laughs) Well, and do you think that the Giants going, uh, just destroying these young teams is them telling them to get off their lawn? I mean, to me, the only thing the Giants could do is embrace that they're the the old fogies, right? That they have to, (laughs) that's their only option. And I think that would be great. But I, uh, to me, I also think that that uh, not only yes, the the Padres, the Padres, when you watch them play, they were aggressive and they hit the ball hard, and and that was the thing. Like the Giants were are not particularly aggressive, and then they weren't. They're still not hitting the ball that hard. They were a little more aggressive against Atlanta. But I think what actually helped them was that they were very patient, and it worked to their benefit. Like they were doing the optimal. Th- like I'm okay with the Giants philosophical approach to hitting. I don't love it, but, you know, wait for your pitch and try to do something with it kind of usually involves working the count a little bit. And I do generally when I watch other teams at bats, I mean, the problem is the Giants have to hit five singles for them to score one run. Uh, And that's always annoying. But, you know, when it works, it looks fine, right? And when it doesn't work, you're like, why can't they just, why does it take them nine swings of the bat to score one run? Why can't they just do it in one? But they've been doing that. Um, but they, they played. Uh, I want to say this. Uh, you asked if it was the Giants telling young teams to get off their lawn. I think it was like the scene in The Karate Kid where uh, either Mr. or Jackie Chan, depending on which one you want to go with, I'm not going to judge, 
uh, just beats up all the young kids who are going to beat up the main, the, the star of the movie. Like he's this old dude who just beats the crap out of all these kids who are bullying the, the other kid. I think that's what it is. <laughs> all right. <laughs> just there, just the elderly counterattack to youth. And the elderly <laughs> counterattacking youth is like, what? I wouldn't know this was possible. How has that not been like a se- series preview title or something like that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is insulting to say that the giants are old and, and inert. That this is a se- <laughs> that we're watching a season of Grand Torino right now, <laughs> uh, and it's every every game is the last showdown in, in the movie, but. You know, I would say that the when it came to the Padres, it was almost like they had to beat them their own way. And then when they played the Braves, they essentially beat the Braves. They had to beat the Padres sort of the way that the Giants could beat a team. And against the Braves, they beat the Braves how the Braves have been beating teams. And that was what was so surprising about that series. Uh, all the runs, of course, but it's sort of like the Giants were making uh, like half thought out defensive blunders miscues right like a young team would but then they were also spraying the ball over the place like they were they were 22 years old so it was it was not like jarring to watch it was just like whoa there's no way they can keep this up but it's great to know they have it in them (laughs) um and so you know the road trip continues They're, they're playing they have uh they're in the midst of 17 consecutive games and that'll be an go ahead so they're going to Pennsylvania this week. Yeah, that's right. They're going to be in Pennsylvania this, this week, uh, Phillies and then Pirates. And I, I think, you know, it can be said, you can say this with every baseball team, every season, every month or whatever, like this week's going to tell us a lot about this team. And this month's going to tell us a lot about this team. You know, the first month of the season has told us a lot about this team already. They, they're they're without a lot of their starters, and now you know we should probably just talk about losing Johnny Cueto right now. But staying competitive and doing this run of games, uh, you know, the Giants haven't been afraid to swap out young arms, get new people in there. Williamson, if he can come back the next week or so, it'll be a, a you know a fresher you know fresh power bat off the bench. Um, you know, guys have been getting rest here and there. Basically, you know. We are getting a sense of what this team's identity is. I'm not sure that this is like a season-defining stretch of games if they can keep playing how they've been playing, which is maybe they just win as many as they lose. But they do seem perfectly content to just try to win a series, and that's it. And 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 that's great, right? That's all. If you do that, you're going to be a very successful team. So the fact that they can that they're even in these positions to do it, I think is is great. Uh, I think Philadelphia. Pittsburgh, just looking ahead, it, it it's the same general challenge as Atlanta was. It's kind of youthful. Both teams are sort of doing much better, both than expected, but you know, very recently. Although the the Phillies just blew a big game yesterday, so they're going to be hungry for blood here. But you know, essentially, the Giants are going to keep playing younger teams. They're one of the older teams in the league anyway. Um, I want to get everyone's uh, statement, their eulogy for Johnny Cueto. Or do you believe he's done for the year? I don't want to believe he's done for the year. So I'm not going to until we know more tonight, probably. Okay. Yeah. I'm being uh, optimistic I, in the I'm, face I'm, of uh, awfulness. I, I don't want to speculate, but he's also done for the year. <laughs> I think he's extremely done for the year. 
So oh, okay. I'm just, I'm, that's right. I'm I'm uh, bidding a dollar. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, the larger question for that is, in my head, when I heard when I when this news came in, my brain processed it because it is very much in the negative mindset when it comes to baseball injuries. Is well, we'll see him again in 2020, right? <laughs> that just why not just do that? Why the coming back a year later? There's no reason for that. If he's done, just let him sit out. Part of that is based on everything for this season only makes sense if you're thinking this is the last season the Giants are planning to be competitive. Not ever, although certainly that's not impossible. But <laughs> that they're, they are putting all their eggs in the 2018 basket. And so next year, you know, just in my head, knowing, thinking the one thing about 2018 makes me go, that's sad to think that we're not going to see Johnny Cueto until 2020. But neither of you sound like you share that that thought process whatsoever. You think we'll see him in July or September of next year. Well, I think even if he has Tommy John, there's no guarantee that it'll be that long of a recovery. It can be about a year, like maybe a little more, but we could see him mid-season next year, even even if he has to have Tommy John. Okay. Right. I'm still in camp that he doesn't like have to have the Tommy John surgery, but that's unlikely. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the optimism alive while I can. Why Why are you thinking that? You just don't. You just. There's no reason behind it. It's just I just don't want to lose Johnny Cueto for a year or more. So no one she wants to just. She's staring at a giant poster right now that says "I want to believe." Yes. <laughs> I am the uh, the molder of this team. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i mean everyone even even in 2016 everyone was like you know at the all-star break people were like brian the giants are good look at all the evidence He's like no no the giants aren't good he's the scully because in the face of overwhelming evidence he is a skeptic and then he turned out <laughs> right because sometimes Scully's right <laughs> i will say the giants are doing uh doing a lot of good to improve their since the all-star break of 2016 Record. They're still in last place, I believe, but they are steadily. They're going to get out of that cellar if they just keep winning games, which is a staggering thought that they even versus the Cincinnati Reds are, were still up until like last week uh, the worst, the team with the worst record since that All Star break. So, I, I, you know what that just reminded me of? Brian Sabian's back in the saddle. So that's what this is all about. We've doubted him so many times. How many times does he have to prove to us that we're wrong and we should shut up? <laughs> That's true. I mean, he's been on KMBR like this season. They play the promos all the time where it's like he sounds like he got dragged back in. He, he was out. <laughs> and they couldn't do it without him. And so he's like, ugh. Fine. I'll, it's like the dramatic reveal or like John Wick. He has to like go into his basement and drill through the concrete and pull the razor phone out, dust it off. <laughs> <laughs> People keep going, are you back? He's like, I'm not back. Yes. That's, that was all last year. Right. And then Larry Bear called him up and like, you know what? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm back. <laughs> That's right. So there we go. Now just headshots, just delivering headshots. <laughs> a thing that we can't really know about this particular start because it's it's hard for 
us on the outside, obviously analyzing this stuff that we don't have all the information about is what effect the new coaching staff, the new mindset has the first month of the season. It seemed like, well, Bruce Bochy's just going to be like, I see what you're telling me, but I'm not going to listen. Like that's what it felt like. And maybe there's still, that's still going on. Just other things are working around it, but it's, for example, like is it's a lot of the same team. So are players playing better because of statistical re- regression? Are they playing better because Dave Rigetti, they just got tired of his same, you know, sayings or phrasing and Kurt Young comes in and, you know, Hunter Strickland's like, I don't feel like it. And Kurt Young says, well, guess what? And then he like steps on his face or something during the meeting. Like, I don't know what Kurt Young's approach is. But does that have anything to do with it? Well, I can't even speculate. I just am looking at it going, this is the same team. They tried to change their mindset, and they did that by bringing in different coaches. We don't know what coaching, like other coaches have on the staffs. But it seems like you wouldn't make shifts or changes in them if they were completely meaningless. So I know I'm just looking at the pictures. I'm going, is Chris Stratton, Chris Stratton started to put it together last year. So did that just carry over to this year? Have there been some other tweaks? You know, uh, Suarez coming up. Is Suarez just really talented, even though his stuff isn't, like, electric and overpowering? Ty Block has just been, like, really consistent. Is the reason why they thought Derek Holland was useful was because Kurt Young, Dave Rigetti, whoever it is. Like, what's going on here? Is this just me saying, looking at sample sizes and just jumping to conclusions, or is there something here? Um, I, I don't, I don't know how much we can glean from the season so far because, like you said, it's only been six weeks. But yes, I don't, I don't know how much we can can take from it. Honestly, sorry. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's so obviously anything we say now, it's gonna be premature to sort of speculate. On the other hand, you can see kind of the argument that yeah, like just having fresh voices in there, having Kurt Young and Alonzo Powell instead of Dave Rigetti and Hensley Mullins is going to get hitters to look at things in a new way. Um, maybe, you know, Kurt Young has all sorts of old-timey country cliches that he likes to spout out, and Dave Rigetti was more of a hard city boy. I don't know. <laughs> um, I like to imagine that's the dynamic because it's fun, but that's not really relevant. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it just it could be communication styles. It could be that the things that Dave Rigetti taught them, they already learned, and now they're learning new things from Kurt Young. Maybe the league will adjust at some point. Uh, I don't know if Kurt Young's more effective than Chris Stratton than Rigetti was. Uh, Stratton was great last year as a starter. Yep. Uh, I don't know if Kurt Young's more effective with Ty Block. Block did really well last year in the early going, and he sort of wore down as the season went, went on. Uh, we haven't seen if that's going to happen yet. It, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. Um, that's a total cliche. I just said a cliche. I'm really sorry. No, but this to to my point of people who are like me in the negative mindset thing, I have a counter argument that's related to what Doug's saying. They're banking these wins. They don't have to give them back because the <laughs> league figures figures them out. If they've got 50 wins by the All Star break, s- sorry suckers, we got 50 <laughs> wins. You couldn't figure it out. It's your problem, not ours. So. So to me, that's kind of like, I don't really, you know, uh, yeah, it could be small sample size and who knows, but at the same time, hey, they're winning, they're getting the results. And and if if the new voice is just one slightly different decision 
or phrasing of something in a game, we know there's so many, if you're doing this from like a customer service standpoint, there are so many transactions in a game. You know, each pitch is a transaction, but each coaching signal, each thing in the dug, there's just so many things that happen in a baseball game that, yeah, having a different voice in there could potentially have some sort of effect that could have a cumulative positive effect. And certainly Hunter Strickland going and learning a new pitch is not the same thing as having a new coach. And if that pitch is helping him be effective, that's great. You know, Tony Watson just seems like he fell from Mount Olympus and is just in the <laughs> bullpen now. That doesn't, that seems to not have anything to do with the coaching. But, you know, you have the fact that the Giants are just surviving without Bumgarner, without Cueto, and really without Samarja, who's not, who's not all the way back yet. You know, that's... To me, it can't just be regression. It can't just be the league. You know, there's got to be something because they do something. I don't believe that that organizations that won't spend money on sodas will hire coaches <laughs> if they don't have to. So that's that's my logic there. So, but that is a good question. Do they have to hire coaches? <laughs> um. Seriously, do the is there some is there a union rules or something? But I'm just saying they have to hire coaches. So because the argument is well, hitting coaches, this the Fangraphs community answer would be that coaches don't matter. There's nothing that a human being could be taught that a computer can't just show them. That these articles can't teach players. That's the but basically the idea is that coaching is it's so negligible that it, it doesn't matter. Pitching coaches, hitting coaches. They don't really do anything. And certainly we've had plenty of players make similar comments along those lines. But they they are there, so they do something. Something. And if they didn't do anything, wouldn't there have been like the Rays or the A's at some point said, we don't need a hitting coach. What do they do? We're just wasting money on these people who don't do anything. That's what I was getting at. That's all. So then my question was, is there somewhere in the rules that says they have to hire coaches that was my question i've That's never all. read all of the yeah. rules <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing i mean it wouldn't look great but if you're like the marlins why do you care <laughs> i see the marlins just cutting all of their coaching staff just for money yeah have the fans do it <laughs> <laughs> oh had unpaid fans that's right exactly right oh marlins <laughs> i know don't yeah. give them ideas so i was going to that extreme to say obviously they do something that's it because it seems it seems ridiculous that penny pinching money hungry team owners would allow for a position that does absolutely that's really just a figurehead to just be there to do nothing although there's certainly an argument being made that managers are increasingly just figureheads and the front office is really dictating it now that seems more fan theory than practicality but who knows at some point if you are just reading some you know following someone's script you are just an actor at that point so it is i'm thinking specifically well, I think there, of are, there are, are organizations where that is the case i mean the dodgers that is yeah, kind Dave of roberts yeah yeah um so i mean the, the giants it's not the giants are much more traditional in that way and that and you know especially because they have a manager who's won three world series so Basically, at that point, if you do that, you can do whatever the hell you want. Here's my pushback to 
because I, I don't understand numbers, so I, of course, have a, bias, a natural bias against them because of my own ignorance. But I am open to it, and I want to understand them, and I try to learn and figure it out, and I frequently make mistakes, and I just deal with it. My only pushback to it, to the, to the idea of having figurehead managers and all that, well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I believe in the power of behavior and interpersonal relationships and communication and think that clubhouse culture, although can't be quantified, makes logical sense just based on existing in the world and knowing that if you like going to a place and being around people, you're going to be in a better mood, which is going to affect how you do things and think about things and approach what your job is or whatever skill you have. Um, My pushback is if you're winning, it kind of doesn't matter how you're doing it. it. If it works for you, it works for you, right? I don't mind watching the Giants style of offense, I guess, when it's working. I would rather they were all Barry Bonds in the lineup, but that's not happening. We're not even get one Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> um, I, th- I think what they would say to that is that it's working now. It won't necessarily work in the long term. If you want long-term results, here are the things that have proven to work. But that's going to change not, too. Yeah, that's... I'm not convinced by that, but I think that that's sort of um, just say, just pointing it. Look, look, wins, wins. I, I was, um, I'm sure you can imagine this because this is an audio medium. I was frantically waving my finger in the air when I did that um, and pointing at nothing in particular. Uh, As that's, you do. that's a really important visual for you to get, uh, McCovey Croncast listener. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's as a long-term strategy, it's possible that, the, that if the advanced stats don't like the Giants, that um, it won't work. I, and I actually think that they do like the Giants quite a bit because um, I remember early in the season, even when they were not hitting well, kind of stats suggested they were a much better team. They were a better offense than that because, um, you know, they were really unlucky with runners in scoring position and so on and so forth. And uh, and so I don't think that necessarily there is a ton of conflict between the advanced stats right now and the way the Giants are doing business. They're hitting the ball hard. When they are hitting it. I, the only thing that I find, the only thing that al- alarms me is the number of strikeouts. But that seems to be a league-wide thing right now where the strikeouts are way up. And so that's the only thing that concerns me. But, it, it, you know, apparently it doesn't actually put much, it doesn't generally affect the Giants' rankings too much. Um, so, all right. I guess I just have to accept that they strike out more often. Um but they read a lot of graded bats this past week, and you know, this time it actually all worked out. But maybe that's we should think about. Well, did they have similarly good at bats beforehand, and it just wasn't working out? I think that's the case. I think that's what happened. <laughs> I think with um, with McCutcheon, he's been he's been doing that without the results, and I think now we're seeing the result. Well, we're starting to see that his on-base percentage is outpacing his slugging percentage, which is a very interesting development. But his on-base percentage is approaching 400. So that's also like, well, like I, uh, in case it wasn't clear, listeners, I am in love with him being the number two. <laughs> it makes me so happy whenever, like, maybe that's been the whole reason why this week hasn't felt so bad. It's like, well, McCutcheon's been hitting number two. So. You lose enough players, eventually you have to just do a decent lineup. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was hopeful, though, that him in the number two hole meant fewer double plays for Buster Posey. And uh, no, 
This is like the second fastest he's ever reached four double plays in a season. He's only grounded into four. I know it doesn't sound like that many. I think his career high is 17. Uh, and that was a few years ago. I looked at all this because I'm like, <laughs> this, I was like, I, I, I want to say this. This is the second fastest he's gotten to four double plays on the year. Stats are terrible now. I don't like yes, stats. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm done with stats. Well, uh, the one time he got he got to uh, four, I think it was in April. And I think that was, or at the very beginning of May. This is still pretty early in May. So this is the second fastest. Usually he doesn't get to it until later in May. Uh, so there's that. He's usually he usually starts off the season pretty hot. He's been fine. Um, I think he got banged up and, and turned around. Anyway, um, does anyone have a standout player from the week that they want to talk about for a minute? Who didn't stand out this week? I know. It's a, a, plenty to choose from. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to pick because of something that we'll discuss later in the podcast. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alan Hansen's going to get Doug, do you have a nominee? Because I... I, I'm going to second it since no, neither of you are making a choice, unless you have a choice. Do you have a choice? No, I, I want to talk about Alan Hansen because I think I'm going to win that contest, so I'm pretty <laughs> okay. excited about it. Well, okay, so then we're, we're all holding for that big moment. So then that's, this is great. Then we can talk about the player I want to talk about, who I spoke about maybe at length last time, and that was Andy Suarez, who looks really good, and it's very surprising. He looks unflappable. He reminds me in terms of poise, not effectiveness, but in poise of when Ty Block came on the scene, where Ty Block just went out there and just started chucking it, and he was not afraid. But Suarez has the ability to actually get like strike people out and doesn't walk people, <laughs> um, and you know he gets in trouble. Oh, my defense let me down. Here's a double play. You know he's he's got I think the stat that kept showing he's already got six double double plays he's reached it faster than Buster Posey no but he has uh, six double plays that he's induced already this season and it's like second in in all of Major League Baseball he's tied with Ty Block um, I just you know I just wanted to mention that Suarez has pitched very well that the essentially the Giants have been versus last year and the year before they've reached into the farm system and they've gotten surprises. I'm, I'm going to count Stratton in that reach into the farm system thing. That is a bit of cheating, of course. But, you know, it's I'm just going to use it because we all talked about the Giants have no depth. Their farm system has screwed them. They did not do a good job developing talent. And that's you can argue that it just took a little bit longer than you would have liked. <laughs> like in a couple of parts. You also have to wonder how many, how many players of the Giants seem to get decent production out of from their farm system before people stop saying that? That's a good question that I'd like to see answered on fan graphs. Maybe, maybe I should submit that to their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like how many, cause I don't know what the number is, but certainly with all the injuries in the NL West that have happened so far this year, the Dodgers in particular, the giants, especially that if you like what number of players do they have to bring up and get decent production out of before you can say, Maybe we had it wrong about their farm system. Or, like, they got six players to come up. That seems like a pretty good amount of people. I don't know how many it's been for the Giants. I don't know what number you want to put on it. But am I just talking into the darkness here? Sounds like it. (laughs) Um, But you know what I mean, right? (laughs) Well, my, my, my initial thought is that, sure, okay, fine, those guys worked out, but now there's nobody left on the farm. That would be the response. (laughs) 
Right, but then it's but then you're just getting into silly season. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like you're silly. just deep in the and you know to and the Giants, you know, in our mindset, just looking at what's happening down in AAA, even you know they could if something happens in the outfield. I mean, it's really a shame that Mac Williamson has this concussion and this injury. It's really bad for him, obviously. It's a shame for the Giants, but they have Duggar and Slater, who's still doing pretty well. And then Chris Shaw is is doing pretty well down there as well. So even in the outfield, the Giants potentially have um, something going on there. It's to the credit of Gregor Blanco yet again, <laughs> <laughs> like just being the guy and is somehow faster this season than he was the last time he was with the Giants uh, with in terms of running the base paths. And, you know, Gorky's Hernandez is playing well. Last week, I was going to write an article about him, and then right as I was about to write it, he kind of went on the mini slump. And then he had, what, three hits, four hits, three hits the other day against Atlanta. And it's like, okay, well, he keeps playing on to the, staying on the roster, giving them no reason to bump him off. And then they can't get rid of Austin Jackson, who has not really, he's still pretty much scuffling. Let's just, let's just be nice there. He's scuffling. I'm sorry, uh, he had a pretty good week, but carry on. <laughs> Uh, defensively, still kind of interesting routes to the ball and all that stuff and, and all that. But in any case, you know, they, they seem like they're fine. And I think that's last season was pretty traumatizing because I don't think you could sit there and say they turned the roster over to make it fine. They just said, hey, guys, play better. <laughs> Imagine if that worked. It's where it's. Where I mean, it the, the most amazing part is that last year, you know, we all noticed the major league team was a disaster. The minor league teams were all disasters, too. There were like individual, I wouldn't even call them individual bright spots at the top level. There were individuals, individual fine spots. You know, Andrew Suarez last year had like a, probably a 350 ERA across the minors. That's pretty good. You know, that's still in the minors. That good. It's not, well, you have to call him up right now, but it's fine. That's one of the bright spots at the top level. Um, And then this year, they've all just decided, oh, that was, we were just doing that for fun. We just wondered if we could. You know, <laughs> we're we're back now. We're David Bell, David Bell on his good first goof. day. <laughs> David Bell on his first day just sat down and like wrote an email, like just the company email address, like all players <laughs> in the in the two field. To the, then, no, they have a, like a list of, to the Giants list that they have on right. the, the server. And he, forgot for, he forgot to put the subject in. <laughs> so it says no subject, and then he wrote, wrote in there in all caps, "Play better," and that was, and they sent it. He he would sit down with individual players and be like, "You see this clip of me scoring the winning run in the NLCS? What I did is I tried," <laughs> and they're like, "Ah, oh, crap." <laughs> Uh, oh, one last thing before we're going to do the questions and then you guys can gloat. You can strut about your picks. One last thing this past week, uh, Evan Longoria, you reminded me with the David Bell third base talk. Evan Longoria, who, that, that feels like there's some sort of psychic connection between those two third basemen. But anyway, maybe because of Longoria's start. Uh, Longoria and Cueto both celebrated 10 years as major leaguers. And, of course, Cueto celebrated his in the midst of going, oh, I'm not going to be playing for a year and a half. That's weird. But um, they, they're in. They, I think uh, and, and Longoria celebrated his 1,500th hit the other night. Um, 
and I know I just wanted to point that out. I think it's uh, pretty cool. Those are both. If you were to step back, and if this had happened last year, let's say you both go, those are pretty good players. The that's been in the league for ten years, and I think ten years they both have a lot of uh, success uh, to show for it. And I would imagine that any of us in any of our chosen professions, if we got our dream jobs or whatever it is, ten years to stick with it is is remarkable. It's pretty damn great. Yep. That's yeah, it. Just want to point out. Congratulations Tim, to them. And I'm glad they're both on the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get to your Twitter que- Twitter questions that we took through at Mick Croncast. And I don't know, I got to get better at sending these things out, but I say that every week. <laughs> Woulda, shoulda, coulda. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, uh, I don't like that question. I don't like that question. Uh I don't like that question. What, there's a whole conversation going on here about streaming the game through YouTube TV and NBC Sports Bay Area. How, uh, Steve, we'll get to that in a second, maybe. I don't know. Best, this is the one that I tried to actually do some research on. And I, I came up, I only spent five minutes on it, admittedly, and I didn't come up with a good one. Andrew Bader, at Andrew underscore B underscore Bader asks, best all-time giant spoonerism. That's a tough one. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't like spoonerisms. So I don't have an answer for this one. Sammy. I don't like them. <laughs> They're lazy. They're lazy. The whole point is, is that you are making a lazy joke in the I context know. of nothing. I know, and I don't like them. <laughs> wow, Sammy. You are... I'm drawing a line of sand. Sammy's coming for spoonerism. She does not appreciate your brief bits of mirth. Do not bring that. To These are better Try be structured, harder. layered jokes. Try harder. Okay. Uh, I could not think of a, a really good one. It's Willie Mae's birthday, or Willie Mae's birthday was yesterday. So Millie Hayes. That sounds like, uh, you know, that was like a... a It'd be uh, Willie... Haley Mills. Millie Ways. Millie Ways. Thank you. Millie Ways. That sounds like a cool way of saying Milky Ways. <laughs> that is true. I mean, you can't you can't deny that. Um, and then today is Sam Dyson's birthday. So damn Sison. That sounds all right. But uh, yeah. Virgio R- yeah. Somo. That sounds like a hip neighborhood that everyone already moved out of. This isn't a Spooner. <laughs> That's actually it's true. <laughs> I wasn't with you until the end there, Doug. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I saved it there at the last minute. <laughs> uh, this is not a spooner- spoonerism, but my A's friends fans uh, growing up, they used to call him Will Clack, and I like that. Not Will Clark like an, like a with a East Coast accent, Will Clack. Just Will <laughs> Clack, like the clack sound, and I liked that. I don't know. Maybe we don't need spoonerisms. We just need silly versions of <laughs> names. Silly versions of names. We're all here for that. That's it. Right, That's Sammy? It. Sure. On the McCovey Comcast. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to wade back into what Andrew was talking about, or what Steve was talking about. I'm very, Steve Svensson asks, I'm very frustrated about how difficult it is to watch baseball. My question is, how do you guys watch the Giants? A $200 a month Comcast package is absurd. The $45 a month Fubo package doesn't stream reliably. MLB.tv blacks you out in market. If Manfred wants people to watch the games, how about making streaming a realistic possibility? 
That's a great point, Steve. I think you'll if you go search through the internet, you'll see that uh, there was some article on what the NBA did and how it measures audience in terms of ratings and, and social media engagement. And they literally changed timeouts. Like they went from the number of timeouts per game that a team can have. They shortened commercials. They kind of they shortened halftime and they kind of adjusted it so that there are still commercials going on. And yet, uh, but the, go ahead. Oh, and yet League Pass is still almost unwatchable. Well, that's the other part. I was going to get to that as my like negative, but Sorry. basically, they, but their ratings have gone up. Their audience retention has gone up, and they approach it of we're not going to, we're not going to get back the people we lose. So we want to keep as many people as possible for as long as possible. Which is, a, by the way, the philosophy I've had now that I've taken over for Grant. It's like we're not getting these people back. So. How do we keep people and bring in the teens? Um, but the other part of that, the negative of that, so they engage with fans. They've allowed gifts and videos of like highlights. They call it like uh, appetizers and that those little morsels will draw people into the full meal, which are their games. And I will say it feels like watching an NBA game is not as excruciating as it was like last year or the year before, where they just don't seem to drag quite as much towards the end or towards the, the halves. But in any case, MLB does none of that. Even though MLB is a technological innovator and has come up with the greatest streaming platform of this particular uh, stage of the information age. Like, it's competitive with Netflix, but it's actually better because it handles live, uh, you know, handles live events. And, you know, it's been plat- it, the uh, undercurrent of the WWE and I, and, uh, and, and now Disney bought it for their service. and But NBA League Pass, which I think also uses the same technology, there's just something wrong with it. It's so terrible. Um, the NBA League Pass, they tried to do the same thing. Um, I live in L.A., so I'm actually, it's a lot easier for me to access Giants games. I just have MLB.tv, so I can watch basically every Giants game, except for when they play the Dodgers. But no one can watch the Dodgers, <laughs> so doesn't that doesn't really change things. There's actually a bar in um, West LA called the SF Saloon, and they they do have they pay the full package. And so, if there's ever a Giants game or a 49ers game, when I used to watch those Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes, um, just go there and watch it. But uh, what about you guys? I mean, I pay for cable, so I just stream it online. You pay $7,000 a week for cable? My yes, $7,000 a day. <laughs> um, no, I mean, but I have to pay for it anyways for other reasons. So, I mean, I just spent... I do like now that the, you can stream the games online through your cable service, though. That's been an improvement, but that's not really on the league because if you're trying to watch through MLB, you know, through through the app... Or online. I mean, if you live in the area, it's useless. So I think that's one thing they should change. And I think the, another thing that they should think about doing is, uh, I think, League Pass. Even if, well, wait, no, I'm out of market. Never mind. I was gonna say, I think they, they should sell a um, a season pass for, like for one team, like um, NBA. The NBA does, but I don't think that that works even if you're in the market, though. So they do do that. Yeah, I'm not they sure do- it does it for the market. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think there needs to be a solution to that where you can, you can not have cable live in the market and be able to just pay just to watch Giants games. But maybe of course, Doug never watches the games. No, so he doesn't, yeah. I you know I watch and sometimes actually sometimes when I'm at work on my break I will log on to the because I have cable also and I will log on to the site and watch them for ten minutes and then go back to work. 
So. Well, there you go. All right. Well, there, there's the answer there. We have yeah, to come well, in late. You brought up something initially when you brought up the, them talking about it. I do believe that if you get YouTube TV, I do think you get all of the NBC stations. So you should be able to stream. Well, this is if you're local. You should be able to stream all of the Giants games through that. And I think that YouTube TV is only $40 a month. So that's that's one solution. Uh, I have DirecTV now, which I have Fox Sports West on. So I'm actually able to watch Mike Trout and Otani and... Oh, Justin Upton. I forgot his name for a second. Um, so there's that. So there are there are workarounds. There are ways of doing it that are cheaper. I don't have enough. I don't have a review of YouTube TV. Directv now is really bad, and then it feels like it got better the last couple months. Yeah, in terms of reliability. I, I also have Directv, and that's it. It has definitely improved. It, it kind of switched. Like it like kind of just they flipped a the switch. Like oh, we had it set to suck. We should probably, we shouldn't have, we should flip it to good. Um, well, they like, they like upgraded their interface and then it was terrible for a while. And they're like, oh, we didn't, we didn't finish. We meant to hit this one last button. Whoops, a doodle. Uh, you know, the, the question that just, that just came in is too spoilery. It's about uh, Infinity War. So won't, won't do that. Won't do that question. Sorry, Raphael. The, but so the last Twitter question will be from at yeah like the soup, and that is which non panda player is most likely to send someone to get them garlic fries during a game? You know, this is an underrated part of Major League Baseball games. There's no way some they're not eating during the games. I don't know that someone's going like they're sending someone to go up through the stands. All that stuff's got to be delivered to the clubhouse. But people have to be eating during the game. We don't talk about that enough. Well, okay, so here's here's what I would say. The clubhouse, um, if, if you have the field club tickets, your entrance, there's actually a, a, like a food court there, and you can get garlic fries without going up to the main concourse. So you can just send someone. It will not take long, and you can get <laughs> garlic fries pretty easily. I, I mean... I'm going oh, to say definitely the starting pitchers who aren't playing that day, but also I think Crawford. Is that because he looks a little thick in the middle, or you just? Like his... <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't know why he just he strikes me and be, he'd be just like, "Hey, go get me some garlic fries." You is, think? Is it just, because, oh, go ahead. Com- well, in in Crawford's commercial this year, his it doesn't get more SF commercial. He ends it by like shoving eight garlic fries in his mouth at once. I forgot about that. That was not that did not factor in, but that's great. <laughs> All right, that's a good point. You saying picture though, Sammy, made me think that Affelt definitely did it. When <laughs> I think anyone who's not starting that day, any of the starting pitchers, they can do whatever they want, right? It would be really great to know. Um, Grant wrote an amazing article that cataloged the twenty, the zero and twenty one start to the Orioles season in nineteen eighty eight, and there were so many things that I never knew. But so many, th- like the, they had an official basketball team, the Orioles did, and they played up until two weeks before the start of the season. And one of the players started the season on the DL because he got hurt playing in the basketball league. Like, these were actual players on the team playing on a basketball team. What I'm getting at, and then there was, like, a bunch of other random-ish injuries that happened. So all these things that contributed. What I was getting at is, I would like to know what players are eating during the game, or and which players are eating during the game, and what they're eating. But I also wish we had enough information to do a whole, well, here's why he lasted a third of an inning and gave up six runs when he came in the game. He had half a carton of ice cream. 
because he didn't think he was going to come in to pitch tonight. <laughs> God, Sam. <laughs> Sam Dyson just keeps carbo-loading. Maybe that was the change. Kurt Young is probably just like, you know, if you just switch to the lean stuff, you'll be able to... <laughs> If you if you eat something calorically dense, maybe you'll you'll be better off. And uh, Sam Dyson's like, thanks. I never thought of that. <laughs> or if he switched from like dairy based ice cream to like juice bars, then he's just not feeling as heavy when he runs out there. Yeah, never know. I mean, I bet that's that's a big part of it. You know, those juice bars are, are key for peak athletic performance. We can just make stuff up. No one's going to challenge us. So really, the hitting and pitching coaches are really just diet coaches. They're just. <laughs> You want to hit home runs, don't drink soda. That's <laughs> Science. Uh, yes, that's it. Okay, so let's go to our uh, picks to click. I don't remember <laughs> who we picked again. I, gotta write I, it down have got, okay. I have got some information for us here. I'm okay. throwing it to Sammy. Go. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go ahead and say I did not win this week. So that's, uh, let's get that out of the way. Okay. Austin Jackson, 12 at-bats, 4 <laughs> hits, 3 runs. Five walks. Um, you know, it was a good week, but not as good as the two of you had with Alan Hansen and Andrew McCutcheon. So, Doug, you had Alan Hansen. He had a great game. Was it Saturday night? Yeah. Or was it Friday? Okay. So, he did pretty good. He had um, 22 at-bats this week. He had eight hits. He had four runs, um, five RBIs with four of those coming in the same game. Um, he had one home run, three extra base hits. He started well. He started off this week with having only had six at bats before, so this is kind of a small sample size. But he started off the week with a batting average of 222 that rose to 321. So that's pretty, you know, impressive, even though a small sample size. However, you guys, I think Brian wins this week because Brian picked Andrew McCutcheon again, and he had 19 at bats, nine hits, seven runs, three RBIs, three walks. Um, three extra base hits, and he raised his, well, not as much, but he raised his batting average from 212 to 246 and his OPS from 703 to 765. So I think I think okay. Brian wins, but I'll let you guys okay. pass it out. Well, I want to say this, though. Uh, Brian picked Andrew McCutcheon, who was a perennial all-star for a lot of years. I picked <laughs> Alan Hansen, who, you know, is just having his first good week in the majors. You I feel like that's where he hit a home run, now. though. <laughs> no, Doug needs to get on the board. And Alan Hansen, I think, just had he had an eye-opening week. And even though I don't even remember any of McCutcheon's hits, but I'm pretty sure I remember all of Hansen's hits. So I'm going to say that Hansen, that Doug gets the points. Now he's on the board. Yeah. All right, thank you. Now I don't get any more pity points. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, he had two, also two amazing uh, base running plays. Let's let's all admit scary base running plays that if he had been oh. tagged out, we would have been like, ah! But, <laughs> but he, it was funny because on Sunday's game that either Lopez or Kuiper said that he had a great jump. And when they showed the replay, or it was Saturday's game, and when they, no, it was Sunday's game. When they showed the replay, that was not a great jump that he had. He's just really fast. And he got in with the tag. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, it was eye-opening. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, another week. I think if he plays well on the road and that's the, the buoy that the Giants need to kind of get through this extended streak, that's great. It made me think a little bit about 2016 when the Giants had a bunch of random middle infielders for a while. And now I can't even think of any of them. That's a great Sporkle oh, quiz. Oh, Who are I the four? <laughs> <laughs> Grant. 
Ruben Tejada, uh-huh. and Ramiro Pena. <laughs> Didn't we just go over this like three weeks ago? It feels like it, but I already forgot the names. Wasn't it, it was one of them had a good like couple of weeks, or maybe it was only like five days. Ramiro, was Pena. Ramiro Pena was Pena was genuinely good with the Giants, and I think he got hurt. Ah. Uh. Um, Tejada was terrible, and Grant Green was not good. Uh, Ruben Tejada was ex- exceptionally bad, as I recall. That was he was. I mean, it, it takes a lot for me to be like, "Wow, you're the worst Tejada I've ever seen on the Giants." But he's in that running. <laughs> but he did it. It is a legit argument. Okay, uh, who do we have? Who are we picking for this week? Doug, you get to pick first. Oh, I get to pick first. Yes. Uh, I am going to pick uh, Brandon Crawford. Damn I think it. he's eaten up. And uh, yeah, take that, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think he's heating up, and he's going to have a good week. Uh, real quick on him, has any have either of you seen something that might indicate why he's doing much better? I have not. No. <laughs> I mean, it just looks like he's staying back on the ball. Him, like two weeks ago. What's that? Is it because I picked him like two weeks ago? Oh, so you're claiming that it's the halo effect of that selection? <laughs> I am joking. <laughs> I didn't realize Austin Jackson had such a great week. We helped. We we picked three guys who did very well. <laughs> uh, well, the team went five and one, so with great, basically on the back of their offense. So I mean, it would have been hard for us to pick someone who didn't do well. Yeah. Well, I'll try this week. I might pick Pablo <laughs> Sandoval again. Oh uh, wait, who was it, Doug? Who do you have? Sorry. You Crawford. Have? Crawford. That's right. We just said it. Man, I'm getting old. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with. I can't pick McCutcheon again. Oh, man, I'm really getting old. I'm just sticking to what I know. Um, I'll go with... I'm going to go with uh, Belt. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're taking all your Brandons, Sammy. He took all my Brandons. Yep. We only have two. Nick okay. Hunley's right there for the taking. <laughs> no, I'm not going to take uh, if you had picked Nick Hunley this week, you would have been in contention. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I don't want to pick somebody that's already doing very well because I feel like that will just stop if I pick them. Well, so. like Doug said, everyone's kind of doing well. It's kind of hard to. I know. Um... So we're basically picking who's going to get cold. That's what's happening. Basically, yes. Um Sorry, I'm having a rough time picking somebody because everybody's doing so well. Um, I'm actually blanking. I'm sorry. This is terrible podcasting. I'm just going to go ahead and pick Evan Longoria again. That's good. I thought of taking him as well, but uh, that'll be good. So did I. So uh, I think he's kind of in the same boat as Crawford in terms of just they're just having better at bats. They don't look like they're lunging at the ball quite as much. And they're they're just settled. They look like they're settled uh, at yeah. you know, standing in the box. I, I, I think I absolutely agree with that. Um, and it's kind of the difference between them and McCutcheon. McCutcheon, to me, always looked like he was having good at bats and the results weren't really there. Um, and now the results are showing up. But Longoria and Crawford have improved in recent weeks from where they were at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, and I think with Longoria, 
it's not unreasonable to expect that he was just going to struggle to make the transition and face new pitchers or whatever. But definitely that first week or so, he just looked like he was crumbling before our very eyes. It looked really bad. So. <laughs> I think him playing tight is a fair enough assessment. All right, we're done playing tight. We're done. So <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. You can bother us at McCroncast, at McCoveycron. That's where I'm at. Uh, Doug, Sammy, you guys are still online, right? Uh, for now. Yeah. Yeah. It's always tough. <laughs> Online's pretty rough. Uh, and if you have any questions, you can send them our way. And thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>